0: there were certain decisions that had to be made before there was any big decision. Mm. And the first decision was, is this just a, a feeling I'm having? Am I just not content in where the Lord has placed me? Mm-hmm. Am I being, you know, sinfully unhappy where I am? Um, or is there a, a genuine call in, in my gifting and in, you know, what God is doing, has, how he has made me? Is there a genuine feeling of, mm-hmm. I, I should be doing something else?
1: Welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. I'm Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, joined again by Caleb Dernberger and Matt Groon, pastoral residents here. And in this episode, uh, we want to highlight some of Matt and Jamie's story over the last couple of years uh, for several reasons. One, to better introduce them to the church, those of you who have come to Emmaus Road in the time that they were away, uh, but also to just talk through some some of the, the big um, questions and issues surrounding that whole process, decision-making, discerning God's will, a uh, sense of call to ministry, uh, as well as some of our, our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches. And so lots of stuff to cover in this one. Matt, why don't you just take us through some of the, the backstory, that, that history, fill us in. Um, you guys leaving Sioux Falls, you were in South Carolina for a while.
0: Um, talk us through that time period. Yeah. Man, what a ride. Yeah, back in, so Jamie and I got married in 2015 and moved back to moved to Sioux Falls. And part of the, there's further backstory of Jamie's born, or not born and raised, but she grew up in, uh, out just outside of Columbia, South Carolina. So she has an amazing family. They're very close. Um, and they all kind of live right in there. So we met at school in Minneapolis, or uh, went to what is now the University of Saint, uh, University Northwestern in St. Paul. And as we were dating, there was, you know, as we anticipated marriage, there was just always this expectation that she would, she had a, she always had a desire to move back and be near her family. And I, I had no problem with that. I South Carolina's beautiful and, um, you know, and I love her family. So that was never a question. It's just after we graduated and after we got married, I got a job teaching at Sioux Falls Christian and, you know, where, where you were born and raised, where I was born and raised. Yes. But. You know, Were you born in the school? I think I was. Yes, in the gym, probably. <laughs> you will yeah. die in the school, maybe. I, it's trending that way. So, but yeah, it was it was the sense of um, so as I graduated with a biblical and theological studies major, uh, so not not a really to get a job in that field is you need to keep going to school for forever, and then hopefully you get a low paying professor job somewhere. Um, but I was able, by God's providence, I got a job teaching at Sioux Falls Christian in the high school Bible department, and just felt felt like um, a good place to start our family to mm. start. Just, she she was a business major, so she could she was a bit more flexible for where she could get a job, and so off we went. We went to Sioux Falls, and um, I that's where we met. Yeah. I met you by again. A lot of this is God just providentially putting pieces together mm. that we would have never thought of. Um, so I met you and we immediately realized we talked similar language, um, Mm -hmm. and connected and, uh, but I was at the time working at a different church. And then, um, the church I grew up in, uh, which was a very traditional, not very traditional, but a traditional Christian reformed church. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when we got married, uh, I was going to be able to go full-time at Sioux Falls Christian. So that allowed me to kind of, us to explore other places to go to church. And we had about that time spent a year together. So I was like, we should check out Ryan's church, and we went once, and the rest is history. Mm. Uh, We we were we were swept into the gospel community, and maybe this is a story that others can relate to. Of you just you just get caught up in Mm. um, the type of community and the type of discipleship that's taking place. And at the time, though, this was twenty. This would have been mid twenty. Yeah, mid twenty fifteen. So the church is barely two years old, not even. And there's what. 30 by 40 people. It's <laughs> a lot of be, Maybe difference. a little more than that. But well, it felt when that was first small. that first Sunday we went and uh, Nate Grote sat in front of us, and uh, he turned around immediately after the service and wanted to hear our life story. <laughs> and just kind of that type of welcoming posture just yeah. captivated us. Um, but in the background, during all of this, is this kind of this ongoing discussion between Jamie and I and um, her parents about the potential of you know moving back to south carolina and then more pieces are in play where her parents bought a bunch of land in south carolina and they own a landscape company and um yeah it's just this it's this this dueling decisions of do we just keep staying here and doing our thing or do we when's the right time to jump on this opportunity and you know chase the desire that jamie has and Mm. i support of moving back to family and um and in 2018 her parents call like hey Now would be a good time. The business is booming. Um, They own a landscape company. They wanted me to come on and help with uh, the running of it, the project management of it. Um, They've got all this land. They were going to give us land to build a house on. And it's just kind of all of, especially Jamie's dreams, and a lot of people's dreams, it seems like the dream um, coming true. And timing just, it just felt, I don't really have any other decision or any other way to say it other than we just decided, okay, let's go. Yeah. but in the in the meantime, I was also going through order, el, uh, elder ordination, the long ordination process at, with Greg mm. um, at the time, and, and an elder development. Yes, mm-hmm. and which is curious because yeah, there's just so many layers to this, and I don't know which one we <laughs> want to chase. But I was at the time a, a in, infant. I believed in infant baptism and mm. a cessationist, and a very. I was more Presbyterian. I still hadn't shaken off my Presbyterian childhood yet, and. Uh, <laughs> And so it was just it was all very chaotic for a bit, and so we just decided to go and pray that the Lord would. Um, I don't know. I just kind of had that thought, like Kevin DeYoung says, we just got to do something, mm-hmm. um, and then just see what the Lord does. And so we did, and we moved and moved to South Carolina. And our time in South Carolina was amazing. And any us being here has zero to do has has nothing to do with mm-hmm. any deficiency or lack that we had in South Carolina, as far as um her family went i mean yeah. we, we did it all we built the house of our dreams we um Jamie was able to start spending more time at home and uh we had another henry was born there and another henry another, just, <laughs> no he, there's only one okay <laughs> and it just everything was but growing in me from pretty early on and since our when we landed in south carolina was a um Uh, I do not really know how to put my finger on it other than just a growing desire to feel, I I felt like I had been plucked out of a vocational calling. Mm. Um, Or I not plucked because that implies somebody else did it. No, (laughs) I moved, removed myself from what was in seemed like my whole life had been leading towards something. And this felt like a turn. In fact, that's exactly what Greg told me a couple weeks before we moved. He's like, just so you know, this feels like a turn to me. And, Mm. But he was nothing but supportive and gracious, Mm -hmm. Um, and so we went. But then that feeling started to, and it was just a feeling, and I I don't want to put too much stock in feelings, Mm -hmm. but it was this feeling of just kind of displacement. Um, But I had no reason to be malcontent. I was, I had, we were, everything was great. We had uh, Mm -hmm. a sweet house being built, you know, financially stable. Um, Our our household is growing. The Lord is blessing the work of our hands. But there was just this growing something.
1: Mm.
0: Also providentially, you and I and Logan just stayed in contact and just talked regularly about the life of the church and cultural issues and whatever. And that just kept me tethered to what was happening here in in, uh, in Sioux Falls. Fast forward a couple of years, and then the pandemic hits. Mm. And the pandemic, I think, is kind of a – a, it is kind of an – it's been an accelerant for a lot of things. But in, in my our story, it's an accelerant to – what took place because um, that really pushed the envelope in a lot of ways because it brought to my or brought up in a lot of churches across the world and across America, some things risen, rose to the surface. And I had been talking with Jamie about feeling called to pastoral ministry and she had no, you know, she, she encouraged that. She just would prefer we did it there in South Carolina. So I pursued avenues and I think providentially, God used the, the pandemic to show, no, not not here, not here, mm-hmm. not here, and doors started closing. But where I was connecting regularly with was um, Mike Seaver, who is a pastor in, a Sovereign Grace pastor in the only Sovereign Grace church in South Carolina, which is in uh, just outside of Charleston. It's about an hour away from where we were. Uh, and we just connected and felt like when we went there, we felt like, we went there a couple times, and when we went, it felt like we were engaging with family. There was this just mm. the familial feel. And Mike, if you guys know Mike, he's a no nonsense. Let's what you know. He's just a, an action kind of guy. So he's trying to think about how we can plant a church in Columbia or in Lexington, or you know, he's he's firing up that engine. And I just, I just felt not, nothing. The pieces never felt like they were going to slowly be put together. But things became clear. Uh, and it was just kind of a tree of decisions that became clear. One, I had to answer the question, do I feel called to pastoral ministry? Mm-hmm. And I said yes. Mm-hmm. I asked my wife that, mm-hmm. and she said yes. Um,
2: okay, that, that's that's a hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, but let, let's not minimize effect that you have on landscaping as well your not your knowledge i mean you know a lot if anyone needs help with landscaping you're the you're the guy as long as people hire machines to help me do them
0: or like rent them then yes i am. I mean you could be <clears throat> yeah. anyways anyway yes the those are I, to me it was a there were certain decisions that had to be made before there was any big decision mm. and the first decision was is this just a, a feeling i'm having am i just not content in where the Lord has placed me, mm-hmm. am I being, you know, sinfully unhappy where I am, um, or is there a, a genuine call in, in my gifting and in, you know, what God is doing, has how he has made me, is there a genuine feeling of, mm-hmm. I, I should be doing something else, mm-hmm. um, and just through conversations with pastors in South Carolina, pastors that had known me, like you guys, and in Greg and Greg, uh, and and just getting out of myself to uh, the external call or whatever, to what it, what do other people see me as, it felt affirmed. Um, and so that was a first decision. Yeah. And it, you know I think that's an important point, that mm. um, when we think about
1: discerning calling, and, and that question often comes up when people want to know, how do you know if you're called? Or how does somebody else know if they're called? That internal sense of desire mm. is certainly a big part of it. Mm-hmm. If if a person mm-hmm. doesn't have any desire mm-hmm. to pastor, then that, you know there, there's a clear sign. But that internal desire alone isn't everything, because yeah. it's possible to say, no, I, I really feel like I should be doing this. I really want to be doing this. Mm. So that external part, like you said, there's some affirmation there. How do other people perceive me mm-hmm. um do other people recognize strength and gifting and competence in this area or am I just kind of putting myself out there kind of like um you know on American Idol there are there were does that show still going who, can uh, know? who knows probably somewhere <laughs> probably somewhere um
0: somebody's making money
1: you know lots of people put themselves out there I am meant to be yeah. on stage in the spotlight singing. And then you hear them and you go, well, not really. <laughs> you know, so it's, th- those two things have to come together that, yes. you know, not only do you have the internal desire, but there is an external recognition, affirmation, yeah. all of that. So I, th- I th- just to highlight th- that's significant.
0: And it, it felt heightened to me to seek that out because of the, the possible ramifications of that. Um, cause just to be clear, we had built a house like 500 feet down the road from <laughs> Jamie's parents, mm. in the middle of a hundred acres of land, um, that's putting roots down. And if ex, if I was, if I did really feel called pastorally or called to pastoral ministry, and in all likelihood, that would mean going to somewhere where I was felt called. That would be a huge deal. That mm. would be a lot mm. of there. There were a lot of real life implications mm. to that. And I did not want to just do that lightly. Yeah. So I really, for an extended season, um, sought out externally, um, outside sources, the trusted sources that I felt like would, that understood the gravity of the situation and understood what it would mean to inform me. So that first question was just vital. Uh, Am I, do I feel called, am I, not just do
2: I feel, am I called to be a pastor? Which, like you said, involved chasing two things on well, defining as well what does it mean to be a pastor mm-hmm. it, that external aspect was massive too, probably for you because you in a sense were in a vulnerable state for a while of just you're missing really good things like gospel community mm-hmm. and satisfying friendships but those aren't just only what pastoral ministry was it was mm-hmm. deci- deci- deciphering between what does it mean to be a pastor i mean how were you able to answer that question in that time of what does it mean for me to be a pastor? I don't know if I did
0: answer it. <laughs> I'm not sure if I could answer it without taking just steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at that point, wasn't ready just because of how I just, it was, debil- it really was debilitating. The The anxiety that would, when I would think of the call I was feeling and the pull I was feeling and then the, what that would mean to my wife and mm. to the family and mm-hmm. to my kid. Like it just it would just shut down any progress because I just was so mm. – I did not want to be the guy that blows everything up. <laughs> and these are the type of matters that can blow up families like land and inheritance and money and the, just all that. And then you, you came and brought these grandkids, and now you're ripping them back out. So it just I was just so overwhelmed with the gravity of the situation that it just, it, took, it just stalled me out. But over time and by God's grace, I felt like I got some clarity on that, on whether or not I was called to pastoral ministry. So the next question is, okay, where and with who, mm-hmm. um, which are important questions. Uh, Jamie and I would have preferred where we are because <laughs> we have it's all here, everything's settled. We're in South Carolina. In South Carolina, that's yeah. right. Um, there's going to be no Makes major. Sense. There's, there's going to be no major upheaval. Um, but. That if you if that is the decision, then the second question of with who, with whom, uh, becomes narrower because you're just having only options around you, and uh, and we sought out like like we had been so affected by our time at Emmaus and with Sovereign Grace in particular that it just it leaves a lasting impression on you that I, these are the type of people I want to be joined with, mm-hmm. um, and so. We first sought out the churches, the church that we were going to, which is an Acts 29 church, and that just didn't seem, they just, those, those ducks didn't line up. Um, again, part of the pandemic, it just shut everything down. Um, you know, different churches responded differently, and that church shut down. Um, so, just to get my family back in a church, we started attending one of the few open ones, which was a, a, an OPC uh, Orthodox Presbyterian church that her parents were going to at the time, which was a wonderful church, amazing people, very faithful, um, you know, solid gospel preaching, but it was a Presbyterian church. And I had told Jamie, and, uh, this is a different discussion about how I had pivoted from, um, or how I made the bridge or how it leaped the gap between being a infant Baptist, uh, cessationist to a believer's Baptist and, uh, and continuation. So that's a whole other discussion. We'll make another episode on yeah. baptism. <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. We'll let you
2: share a testimony on a oh, Sunday man. or something.
0: <clears throat> but I just told Jamie like, cause she's like, you should. not Cause I was being, people were talking to me about joining in some of the leadership there, and, and I just, and Jamie's like, well, there you go. <laughs> I just told her I was like, I can't, I I can't go back, if you will. I, I've, been, I, I am convicted in certain ways, and I'm going to hold to those. So I'm really grateful for that church, but I, there was just no. There was no way for that call to be Mm. explored there. So ultimately, I came pretty quickly to the conviction that if if I'm going to be a pastor or if I'm going to pursue pastoral ministry, I don't want to do with anybody else other than sovereign grace. Mm. Um, And so we just waited on the Lord. And uh, in his providence, it was Christmas 2020. Um, I remember it was the day before we left to go to... Uh, Arizona, <clears throat> where my family was to, for Christmas, Greg called me kind of, kind of out of the blue and said, "Hey, <laughs> i you must have you guys must have been talking to Greg, you are assholes. And uh, he said to me, "We want to uh, send you to the pastor's college and then ha- bring you back to Sioux Falls and join the as a pastoral resident, join the team." Um, what say you? <laughs> that was just. Just that was that rattled the cages Um, because it became real. It became very tangible. It became very okay. Now all the decisions that Jamie and I have been discussing for a long time and were in totally different directions on um, now had a tangible, real. Mm. And so there was, you know, there's a whole other topic of how Jamie and I discussed these things Mm. and how we worked through them and how how as husband and wives are who are. Feel like you're going in completely different directions as Mm. visions for the family. Mm. Um, How do you graciously and uh, how do you how do you navigate that? Given our convictions about complementarity and about um, and partnership Mm. and and all that stuff, it just it was a long process um, of going back and forth. Mm. I think we applied. Eventually, it was just baby steps. Like, okay, let's. How about you just apply to the PC and then we'll see what happens. Because maybe you won't get in. Fair. Very fair. So I applied and I got accepted. Okay. What about finances? That was a huge thing. Um, how are we going to afford that if you're not working for a year and all this stuff? It just, it just felt like all these decisions that felt like legitimate, real obstacles, including what are we going to do with the house? Are we going to, are we moving to Sioux Falls afterwards? Are we going to come back here and plant? Like all these decisions were just obstacles that felt insurmountable mm-hmm. and slowly, very slowly, God just kept putting, like, allowing us to move a foot mm. and a foot. And just these obstacles, as we came up to them, just kind of kept falling away. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe talk a little bit about um, what role
1: does faith play in that as you're facing those obstacles? Because I think that can be a, a useful question for people in decision making mm. just to evaluate
0: um, is God giving me the faith? For this, mm. that that was the category. It felt weird when it's stated that way. Of is God giving you? Because Greg said that to us multiple times. We we met with over we'll Zoom, him and Lori, to discuss it multiple times because <laughs> Jamie was going to need that kind of interaction to to move. Um, and he said to us multiple times, "This is all kind of. We'll just see if God gives you the faith to do it," which seems very like. Well, I have my faith. I'll, I'll, hold on. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But no, it. and we just, I don't have any other way to, I don't have a way to intellectually explain the experiential process of having to trust that. Um, as, as obstacles presented themselves, such as the conversation to, to open up to her parents about what we were thinking and um, what it would mean, and just realizing that that could be received in different ways, um, to finances, to finding out we were pregnant, um, like that felt when we found out we were pregnant. I called Greg literally the, you know, the day after Jamie told me and said, "Hey, this feels like it is it derails everything. <laughs> it feels like the whole vision that you had about us going, it's DOA now. Like we, there's no way we can move to Louisville to have a baby in the middle of you yeah. know where we don't know anybody." And he just kind of laughed at me and said, "People do it." <laughs> I said, okay. So it just all these obstacles presented themselves. Mm-hmm. And I have no way to like describe it other than we just kept moving towards them. And God, in his mercy, would just provide. Mm-hmm. Um, he provided fun, money. He provided, I mean, the, the, the two things that he were the, probably the biggest obstacles that God just, I can just see his grace falling on is in Jamie and in her parents mm. um, and her family in general. Because, mm. like I said, I was just so aware of what this could do um, and just did not want to be the guy that did that. I had no intention of doing that mm. out of my own selfish ambition or anything like that. And for her to get to where she would just – when I finally – at the end of the day, you know, a decision had to be made. And I said, okay – I think we're, I think we should go. Mm. Uh, She just, she just, it was incredible. She just, she was sad and she wanted to communicate that she was sad and she had every right to be, but she was from that point on just incredible, just Mm. turned her face to the task and was nothing but supportive. No, no sense of bitterness, no sense of you taking my life away from me. No sense of any of that. She just, that is nothing short of the grace of God in her life. Yeah, and that's, that's evidence of faith. Yeah, and exactly. that—that That is the giving of faith. And then when we had the conversation with our parents, it was the exact same. Sadness, which is completely understandable and completely Yeah, there's a, a loss, a, there's gr- a grief involved exactly. in that. Exactly, but nothing but support. And, oh man, it just... it I can't talk anymore about it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it is, that's moving. It is... You can't... For me... I. All that anxiety I was I was feeling, all of that emotion I was feeling about the I mean, for anybody who's experienced kind of that crippling anxiety, not just like oh, I'm feeling a little anxious, no, like you feel crushed by the weight of it. Can't move. You can't move. You you feel like you're yeah. It's just it's just this oppressive. Oh, hmm. The that the type they what they've communicated and how in the, the ways that they've communicated. In the support of nature, and the love, and the willingness to even, they came to us, and said, we think you should sell the house. We were considering renting out the house, just so that the land stayed in the family. And they said to us, no, I think you should sell the house. You should, because you're going to need the money. <laughs> and, uh, and just what that meant for them is, their dreams about having all the family move on this family land, why they bought the land, what they intended it for, because of my actions had crushed not only Jamie's dreams, but their dreams. Mm. And for them to come to us and say, we want you to be supported. We want you to do, it just, the, the, it just has done nothing, but it's just the grace of God giving faith to them to send us and mm. to send us so well and to support us and love us as we went.
2: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it it's hard to talk about and it's... Yeah. Well, yeah. and yeah, and this episode could go for forever, but I think w- one thing we could just maybe talk about in closing briefly in light of what you just said was obviously part of your coming back to Sioux Falls involved going to the pastor's college. Yeah. And, um, and there was a lot, I mean, obviously the decision to make there was difficult, but I know you found the faith, God gave you the faith to that. And you found the Lord faithful in that time. So mm. maybe speak briefly to um, just how some of the highlights of that year. We value our partnership with, uh, with Sovereign Grace Churches. Yes. And the Pastors College is just one expression of that, of equipping men and their families to go back and mm. serve in their local churches. So what were some of the ways that you and Jamie just kind of found the Lord faithful in that, in that season, that 10 months in Louisville, Kentucky? Mm. Um, yeah, it, it certainly, when it was proposed, it felt like a, like an out-of-the-way detour
0: to get to the final landing zone. But when the more we thought of it, and the more I thought of it, and the more we talked about it, and, uh, and then it proved itself as we did it, was a, a wonderful— if, if those two questions that I was asking of, am I called to pastoral ministry, and to whom should we do this? If those were answered in the yes, I do feel called to pastoral ministry, and two, I don't want to do with anybody other than sovereign grace. This is the perfect on ramp (laughs) into it because it puts you under the microscope, and uh, for not only myself but for also Jamie and my family to be examined by you know trusted, humble, gifted men Mm -hmm. uh, like Jeff Perswell and Brian Chesmore and Bob Coughlin and Gary Ricucci and C.J. Mahaney, like all these guys. We become we've become really close with them, and so and in a sense, it it was a, a test to see am I called? And with sovereign grace, we're put to the test by ten months of being in the cooker, um, and man, like God just kept providing for us, not just in tangible you know money or gifts or. Even like a smooth delivery of a child and having him be pretty chill and just kind of hang out and do his own thing and it wasn't because <laughs> we were in an apartment we went from a 2,500 $2, square foot farmhouse into a a thousand square foot apartment second story you know we hopefully we don't the neighbors don't kick us out because Henry threw a truck at somebody like those were the questions that were <laughs> those were what was the the kind of the fear we had, but God just kept providing and not just in tangible ways but in I mean, the PC is a grueling marathon of class after class after class of reading after reading. We average 400 pages of reading a week wow. um, and can just feel like it's crippling to a guy. And we, Jamie and I looked at each other a couple times throughout the year. And we're like, we're, we're doing okay. Like, we, we, maybe we should be worse than we are, but we just we just kept going. And she just took on the role of keeping things rolling at the house and making sure everybody was good to go. And so she was just an incredible helper in that season as she always has been. Mm-hmm. And it's just been such a growing process because she was being poured into by the wives of the pastors, I was being poured into by the pastors, as well as the other men in our class and their wives to Jamie. So it's just this sweet fellowship of, but also, like you said, a highlighting of our partnership with Sovereign Grace because it, it, the more time I spent with them, and really, when you get under the hood and see where the sausage is made, you might be tempted at that point to think, "Ooh, <laughs> I don't like what I see." And the more time I spent with those men, it became clear these guys are the guys that I, will, I am thankful for mm. and are leading our mm. family yeah. of churches, and I trust them wholeheartedly. Um, and so mm. it just it just was it was such a sweet time and it just an infusion of me and my family into sovereign grace as well as now by extension yeah Emanus Road church what would be one or two specific
1: um, characteristics virtues mm. kind of the culture there that you experience that kind of stands out to you
0: oh man they it really is a, a culture of humbly honoring one another um, whenever we we had Jeff Perswell, who is we could do a whole podcast on just Jeff Perswell. <laughs> and, well, we should have him on. And well, okay, <laughs> and his and just who he, is. yeah. But he would teach most of the classes. But then a lot of the other classes we had, um, you know, we had some real big hitters in the theological world, especially being so close to Southern. We had access to a lot of those guys who uh, who who would come, and it, that was awesome. But honestly, some of the highlights were just seeing regular pastors. From around our family churches, come in to teach a class, and before each class, Jeff would come in and introduce them, and it just showed every single time the love and affection that our churches have for one another, mm-hmm. um, and how he would introduce them, the honor he would give them. Just ordinary guys who are leading ordinary churches out in you know the middle of nowhere. Uh, that the impact that they're having in their re- in their in their churches is just is amazing. And so to see Jeff do that and how they do that for one another and do that, um, it's just a culture of of affection and care for one another to build each other up and to edify mm. and it's just express the way it expresses itself is in joy and just there's no mm-hmm. moodiness. there's no like, I uh, just have to be here because you know it's just they're eager to be with one another because they love one another in christ and the effect that the gospel has had on them um, is just so evident, and that then extends to us. And
2: as it's infectious. It, it really is. And yeah.
0: It infected the. It affected the way we cared for one
2: another as students throughout the year. Um, so it's the that. way you've rode back here to Sioux Falls as well. That we are uh, recipients of as well. So
0: well, yeah. It's just been. It's been sweet. I just think. I'll. This is probably the last thing I'll say, but in that passage in Deuteronomy 1, I forget the verse, but where Moses talking to the Israelites says, and you saw how God carried you like a father carries a son Mm. all the way to this place. Um, That's how we felt. And that's how we are feeling is God carrying us um, by his grace has given us faith just to keep going. And everything from houses to kids to vocation to finances to culture all all of it god has just richly blessed Mm. out of his grace and his kindness to us and we are just it it allows us to just be openly joyous and and Mm. grateful that's so good thank
1: you for sharing your story and and we glorify god Mm. as a result of hearing that because it really highlights his faithfulness to you Uh, His provision for you, His leading, and and it helps us to just pause and reflect on our own stories and remember um, when we're in the middle of it, like you described, some of that crippling anxiety, the fears, the uncertainties, it's all just a mess. And then you look back and you go, God's hand was in this. He was leading every (laughs) step of the way. He was bringing together... You okay. know, relationships and mm-hmm. opening up opportunities and things that we weren't necessarily even looking for. And, and you know, rarely do we see that in the moment. It's, it's usually in hindsight. Right. And so to be able to just, above everything else, honor God yes. um, who leads each one of us faithfully according to his, mm-hmm. his promise. And then, you know, as, as you share that, uh, I think it's appropriate for us to communicate to you and to Jamie um, mm-hmm. our regard for you, yes. because that that stands out to us, having watched you walk through this process, the two of you, as you just shared, trusting in the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and and then walking together mm-hmm. in unity as a couple, um, and, and following God's leading in your life, working through those things, even though that's not always easy, um, but continuing to trust the Lord, which is the only way you could go through something like that just it just wouldn't make sense any other way um you know by sheer willpower your own self-determination whatever that would lead to like you said bitterness resentment conflict all of those things but as you're trusting god each of you and so for your faith in the lord we just commend you and thank you for your example the the whole story reminds me of hebrews 11 8 by faith (laughs) abraham Obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. <laughs> didn't know the future, didn't know where this was leading. Um, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. You think of somebody you know, leaving family, leaving security, business, all of that. Um, and he goes out and he lives in tense as a, a sojourner, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that story, mm-hmm. and um, we thank God. Yeah. And don't you ever leave again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, we don't know what the future holds. <laughs> Neither can you. Either you keep of you, living so. by faith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we'll all do right. the same.
0: Thank you, boys. But you guys are...